0: So I'd like to add my welcome to Leslie's, for to all of you who have come, old faces and new faces. And if you are here for the first time this evening, um, <laughs> I, I hope it's um, all right with you that we're having this party instead of meditating as much as we usually do. But I want to talk a little bit before we get to the party part. Hmm. So 2,500 years ago there was a young man whose name was Siddhartha Gautama, who ultimately had a profound experience of liberation and enlightenment and who taught for 80 years, not 80 years, he taught until he was 80 and then he died. Sounds like a good plan. And here we are all of those 2500 years later sitting here in Santa Cruz partly because he taught and I always like to remember that I think it's quite amazing to realize that the power of his teachings is such that as it has reverberated throughout the world through first northern India and then into Burma and Thailand and then on east into China and Japan and Korea, and then ultimately up north into Tibet. And then in the last couple hundred years, gradually, at first just little tiny bits of it, it has come into the West. And um, so it's been in the West now. There were some there was some awareness of Buddhism. Um, certainly in the early years of our country. Um, there were, the transcendentalists were aware of Buddhist, of Buddhist thinking and practice a little bit. And, of course, as different ethnic groups came to this country, there, was, there were Buddhist practitioners who, who came. But for people, for, for non-Asian people, it really began to catch on 50 years ago, more or less, fall <coughs> And, of course, since then, you know, there are a gazillion Buddhist books, right? And lots of Buddhist gear that you can have if you go to the <laughs> store. And there's a lot of retreats, and if you pick up the Inquiring Mind, there's a new one out there on the table, and look at the listing, there's you know, dozens of sitting groups and retreats and, and retreat centers all over this country and all over the world where people like you and me can go and practice and learn these wonderful teachings of the Buddha. And, of course, one of the things that's actually quite interesting to me currently is that um, Buddhism, as it has come into the West, as it has gone anywhere has shifted and changed and morphed into a slightly different form of Buddhist practice. And so what's happening here in this country and in the West and in here and in Europe is that it is once again changing. And today, in one of the big Bangkok papers, there was an article about some of the... Um, uproar that's been going on around a nun's ordination, the ordination of three nuns in Australia a few weeks ago, I'm not going to talk about it, but one of the things that was really touching to me was that um, it was suggested that the way Buddhism is held by Westerners actually provides a vision for what Buddhism can be in the future. So this is really exciting to think that Buddhism has come into the West, come into a more egalitarian culture, come into a culture where women have more of a role and is more democratic, and that may change Buddhism everywhere in the end. And guess what? We are it. It's happening here. We're the lab. And we are right at the edge of what's happening with Buddhism in this country. So even though, you know, sometimes it feels like, oh, we're just, you know, this little Vipassana Center here in Santa Cruz and we kind of go along, we have our sittings and our classes and it doesn't seem terribly special, it's wonderful, but we don't think of ourselves as being cutting edge. But I'd like to invite you to think that maybe it is that we are cutting edge and something new is happening and if we could only be here for our let's say, 220th anniversary instead of just our 20th, it might be quite interesting to see what's happened. So that said, how did we get here? So they asked me to say some things about how we got here, what's the story of Vipassana Santa Cruz is. And I was thinking as I drove in tonight, because I live out in Aptash, I have this whole time, I was thinking... Wish I could remember that night. Is there anybody here who was there? Jonathan, were you there when? that first <laughs> night? <laughs> <laughs> Do you think so?
1: Um, yeah, yeah.
0: the The first yeah. night we That's moved.
1: Kind of the one.
0: Ah, <laughs> all right. So maybe nobody here was at the first one. But I don't even, I was thinking, what did I talk about? I have no idea what I talked about. I have no idea how many people were there, except it was probably less than 10. And we began at the Santa Cruz Endo on November 9th, 1989. Now before that, there was actually quite a lot going on here in Santa Cruz. I met Stephen Levine, who was living and teaching in Santa Cruz in 1979, when he offered a workshop on death and dying for therapists in town and so family service where i was working at the time sent me and somebody there said there's a sitting group you ought to come and i said oh no you know i don't do that kind of thing those asian (laughs) practices that's not me and so there was already quite a lively little Buddhist scene happening here in Santa Cruz and then in fact Jonathan and others had um, little sitting groups in their living living room Jonathan tried to find the famous pot lid that substituted for the bell for Mm -hmm. many years but he couldn't even find one that rang nicely so (laughs) we don't have the pot lid tonight but there were little groups in living rooms and that's where I came in at some point in the '80s, um, and attended some of the some of those groups with Jonathan, and there were other people who had them in their living rooms. And then, as my teacher training began in 1989, um, it was suggested to me by Jack Cornfield that I should also be teaching a sitting group. And one thing led to another, and we took the living room crew and moved into the zendo on that November 9th night. And so we, you know, we went along for quite a while, sitting every... Thir- it was Thursday night. We sat on Thursday night because the Zen folks sit on Wednesday night. And, um, you know, it was pretty small for a long time. And I can remember, it, was a, it would be a really hot night if there were double digits, you know. So if we got to 10 or 11 people, that was a really... Big deal for a while, and you know I used to worry. You know what will happen if nobody comes? And I realized tonight as I drove in here, I worry. I said it tonight. What if nobody comes? And Heidi said, "Oh, you're always worrying about if nobody comes." <laughs> and you know what? There's never been a night when, or a class, or a day long when no one came. That's kind of amazing, actually, in twenty years. And it's partly amazing because one of the stories I heard as I was training to teach was of another Vipassana teacher who was doing some of his training in the Korean Zen tradition, and he was going to teach a retreat. And um, the day came for the and the time for the retreat to open, and no one came. And so he went to his teacher and he said, well, what do I do? And his teacher said, teach the retreat so he taught the retreat he rang the bell and he sat and he walked and he gave dharma talks and instructions for several days to an empty hall I find this story both inspiring and terrifying so thank you very much for coming because I don't know if I would have had the discipline to sit and give a dharma talk to an empty hall and thank you for coming as many times as you have come. <laughs> so initially, you know, we were just this little down-home group. And I opened and closed and made flyers, if we ever had flyers, and paid the rent and gave the... gave I gave Dharmettes in those days. I wouldn't... I was too scared to call them Dharmatok, so I called them Dharmettes. I figured that way I could keep it short and it would be all right and it wasn't too scary Um, but then in 1992 I think it was 92 those of you who are historical buffs can correct me if I'm wrong the Gulf War happened and everything changed actually and all of a sudden one night there were 20 people there because you know under those kinds of circumstances people realize that they really do need to practice and need some place where people are peaceful and and some place where they can be quiet and kind of collect themselves under that kind of stress. And so more people then began to come. And somewhere in there, we also added the Tuesday sitting, the Tuesday noon sitting that still happens. It was originally a Friday sitting to accommodate somebody's schedule, but then he didn't come anyway, so we shifted it to Tuesday, which worked a little better. And we began to offer more beginner's classes and more day-longs. And, and, and in those days, because I didn't have this crew in those days. It was just me. And so we would invite visiting teachers. That's when Ajahn Amaro came the first time. And some of the teachers from Spirit Rock came down, mm-hmm. a few. And, and, um, and we also, um, there was a group that called itself a steering committee. It was kind of a self-selected, group of people who were there to help kind of figure out what we wanted to do and to um, share some of the responsibilities. And somewhere in there, we decided we needed to name ourselves. I'm not quite sure why we needed to name ourselves, but we decided we would, maybe for publicity purposes. So there was a lot of discussion about names. And I regret to tell you, the name that did not make it was Surf City Sangha. (laughs) Now, you know, that's got a certain class to it that Vipassana Santa Cruz just doesn't have. But we also thought maybe it was a little too lighthearted and we needed to be a little more serious, so we settled on Vipassana Santa Cruz. And in the mid-'90s, around 1994 and 1995, we outgrew the Zendo. And so we moved into the Methodist Church over there on Bay Street. Some of you know that place. You sat there with us. And things continued. We began doing, one of the things we began doing that time were householder retreats, where we would gather together and meet every night for a week or so, working on a theme and, and then going back into our everyday lives, which is a form I really like a lot, and we've dropped a little in recent so I'm reminding myself that maybe we want to do this again the other thing that happened after we got into that setting and been, had been there for a while was we ran into a time of some conflict in the community you know all communities have conflict right and so something came up it was very difficult we had facilitators come in we struggled we tried to figure out what to do in the end, we kind of mm, sort of decided to just rest and heal for a little while. And then out of that, made the decision to form a real board with people who had terms and elected officers and who, it wasn't sort of a y'all come thing, which was what the steering committee had been, and to move towards becoming a nonprofit. And so we did that. And it was an enormous. I think of those early board meetings of hammering out what the what the details were for the nonprofit thing. And uh, Richard Shankman was on the board then. I know guiding us and a number of people here. I think Heidi was on the board at that time. And um, we did it finally. Somewhere in there, as a board activity, I would also like to tell you that we watched The Matrix. And we did this because somebody on the board, Richard, I believe it was, said, oh, it's not at all violent. You'll like it. (laughs) (laughs) So as a board, we watched The Matrix and decided we weren't so sure about, maybe Richard was a little more delusional than he thought he was. (laughs) And then somewhere in there around 2000 or 2001, I'm not sure which it was, we had our first retreat. And we organized a residential retreat. It happened up in Ben Lomond at Sequoia Seminars. And we were there for a couple of years. And then we moved to Land of Medicine Buddha, where we continue to have our retreat to this time. And then more recently, there's some really wonderful things as I thought about, oh, here we are in this space. And I was thinking about the day when the board met for a day-long visioning retreat. And at the end of the retreat, we decided, yes. We are going to look for our own place. That was a really scary decision. It was like, oh, you know, and we had real estate teams and different kinds, you know, fundraising teams and this kind of thing. And a year later, we found this place and there was another amazing night when we signed the lease, which was a really, really big deal and then um, we began the remodel so G is here someplace who was our architect, there he is and um, Alice Terrell was our real estate agent who really helped us enormously and all kinds of people came in and worked and made this space the way it is now picked out the colors and the floor and the windows and you know all of Those things and an enormous piece of work. And then in 2006, we moved in. So I was thinking about it. I got an email late this afternoon that our new combination lock got installed on the street door over there. And I thought, you know, that's a great thing to have happen on your 20th anniversary (laughs) because. We have so many people who need to know how to get in here to offer classes and day lunch that the key thing is too complicated. And we don't you know, we can't hide it out there. The owners don't like that. And so we need this combination line. That's really wonderful, because there's sittings almost every day of the week since we've been in here. There's all kinds of classes that are happening. There's a regular beginner's evening on Wednesday, and Bob has this 32 parts of the body on Friday morning, and Jason is doing Dharma and Recovery on Monday nights, and Dan and I have this enormous committed students group that's meeting once a month with about 45 people who are signed up for it. And there's Sunday morning sittings and there's a family program that's meeting once a month. I think Stefan is here. Where are you, Stefan? There he is, who's sort of heading up the family program these days along with Christy. And um, there's just a lot going on. And we've, as a community, begun to really work with council practice. And the other really important thing that's happened in the last couple of years is the formation of this teacher's council. So I decided that um, I needed help in a big way. And so all of these people up here, and Bob Stahl, who's not here tonight, are on the teachers' council. And all of them have had some kind of training or other to teach at different levels of teaching. And we meet um, once a month and um, try to figure out what we're doing and how we need to be as teachers and how we can work together to support you. So I, th- I also thought a little bit about a few really special people. I always think about my friend Nicola Geiger when I'm here because of this bell. Because this was her bell. And she offered it to us. And Nicola was an amazing woman who was born in, into a Buddhist family in pre-Hitler Germany. There weren't so many then. She knew Hermann Hesse, her family did. And um, so she was a kind of a Buddhist and a Quaker all of her life and a very ardent activist in the peace world. And she really midwifed me as a teacher and provided a lot of guidance and support and once in a while a kick in the butt For me, all of the years up until the time she died in 2006, so that was one. She was one of the really special people that I wanted to mention. I also wanted to mention, maybe as I, as I come to a close of this, that when we opened here, we had quite a lovely weekend of practice and a day-long retreat led by Ajahn Amro and, and then a big another big celebration and at the day-long retreat of course we had the, the meal the midday meal at which we offered food to Ajahn Amro because that's the only time that the monks can eat as in they have to eat before noon and his food has to be offered to him as it has been done in the Buddhist tradition for 2500 years and when I saw a monk and other monastics going through with their bowls holding them out for people from our community to put the food in I realized that we had done something really good here that we were indeed carrying forward into the future the teachings, these wonderful teachings of liberation that have come to us from the time of the Buddha So, really, the question is, maybe what is our vision as we now look at the next 20 years? I was thinking about that. Hmm, 20 more years, I'll be 88. That's an interesting thought. Will I even still be here? Maybe, maybe not, I don't know. I hope I get to come for the 40th anniversary. But regardless of that, I think the challenge for all of us is we've been given, given these teachings and how do we carry them forward into the future? How do we give them to all of the people who are suffering around us? So last of all, before we do a few things, I thought I'd read you a poem about birthdays since it's our birthday. Each year in its particular season, spring or late fall or winter perhaps, the birthday, mine or yours or his or ours, rolls around, reminding us of our beginnings, our few or many years, of our inevitable endings. Reminding us in that inexorable turning of seasons, the turning of moon and stars and changes in the angles of the sun, reminding us with new buds or falling leaves or snow of our lifetime's membership non-refundable non-transferable not covered by warranty in the vast pattern of all being okay so now we're going to have some fun so If you are a teacher here, besides me, would you please stand up? Anybody else? Okay. Now you see them. Me too. Thank you. (laughs) If you are current, you can sit down now. <laughs> if you are currently on the board of the Santa Cruz, would you stand up? Some people are going to be standing up a lot.
1: <laughs>
0: so look around, everybody, because these are the people who are kind of. And I would like to particularly comment that Lael and Martin and Chris were the planners for tonight. So they're the engineers behind our evening. And Anne? Anne isn't here. Right. Okay, you can sit down. If you have ever been on the board, with the exception of the current people, we'll give them a rest, of the person of Santa Cruz, would you stand up? Yay. Okay, and there are dozens more. Dozens, dozens more. Um, if you lead a sit or have ever led a sitting here at Vipassana Santa Cruz or anywhere that we have been having our uh, show, would you stand up, stand up, please? (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: Lots
0: of sitting leaders, okay, thank you. If you have ever volunteered to do anything here, would you stand up? All right. This is an important one because this is how we do our thing here. Great. All you volunteers, thank you so much. Sitting leaders, teachers, volunteers. Okay. If you are... I have to do this. If you are the support of the guiding teacher, would you stand up and come out here? <laughs> this is Russell, the famous Russell that you've all heard about, and who has provided me with endless support, financial and otherwise, and probably... I don't know whether we'd be here without him, so <laughs> uh, and he also does a lot of printing for us. Yes. Okay, now we're gonna do a timeline thing. So would everybody stand up? Oh uh, including I don't know how this.
1: Ends. What? So I know how this ends. You know how this ends. <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay. So if you have just come here in the last year, would you ra- first would you raise your hand? Just in the last year?, great. Okay. Betsy, would you say about two words about why you came? Or 10 words, maybe. <laughs> 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 To explore deeper within myself. Thank you. Now, will all of you new people who just raised your hands sit down? Okay. Now, if you have come since we um, opened, if you if you came sometime after we opened up until a year ago, would you raise your Can hand? I'll
1: open open <laughs> here, this
0: center. If you were new at this center,
1: just a couple. Of you. New at this center.
0: Yeah. No, you came to the other one. You never never were at the Methodist church. Oh, you were never at the Methodist church. Right. Okay. Let's see. Mai, would you say something about about coming here? Looking for inner peace and uh, like-minded folks. Great. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Now, would you folks all sit down? Mm -hmm. If you have... um if you're if you're if you started practicing with us in the window between um, let's say start being at the Methodist Church and coming here, would you raise your hand? What does that mean? That means nineteen about nineteen ninety five to two thousand and six. But
1: still be one center on Tuesday.
0: Still at the Zen Center on Tuesdays. Yeah, yeah, yes. Great, Stefan, Would you say something about um, what you were looking for <laughs> or found?
1: <laughs> uh, um, really, a spiritual home, I would
0: say. Great. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Now, <clears throat> would you, you folks, all sit down? <clears throat> Okay, now it's getting real. <laughs> Boy, let's see. That was 1995 to 2006. Um, so maybe... Let's see. Russell's still standing. Um, <laughs> do you want to say anything?
1: Um, I don't go to too in places too often, but I do enjoy it when I am. Um, I, I believe that I've, uh, I've enjoyed your spiritual journey
0: <laughs> thank you Martin uh, Mark, would you say something please We're g- I'm going to ask each of you to say something now uh, maybe when you came
1: I think I came in 1992 and I'll quote Ajahn Amaro I came because of the dreadful state of my mind <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: great um, let's see I'm trying to think who might be Chris maybe I don't know when you came uh, 1993 Okay. Um,
2: so I've been living in St. Louis where there was not a sangha my sangha was in my mind I would think of all the people that were sitting when I was sitting um, mm-hmm. and so when I came here and found the Boston Santa Cruz I felt like I'd come home
0: mm-hmm. and Maris I think you're behind him Just the next obvious thing I had been
1: doing transcendental meditation when I was younger, and that wasn't happening for me anymore. And I was in a place in my life reading Jack Hornfield's books
0: and various other things. And those led to you and the song book. Do you remember when that was? Mm -hmm. In 93 or 92. I think We have a lot of ninety-two. We were back at the Zendo. Uh Uh huh. Okay, John. I think maybe you might be the next. Okay. What's your What's your date? <laughs> I think eighty nine. Eighty nine. Oh, I know. Yeah. Active. Well, I think you're all kind of eighty nine folks at this point. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
2: and you know, came see if awakening was all
1: it packed up to be. And is <it? laughs>
2: Yes. I would say
0: it's, it's been a pleasure watching you grow. Thank, Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Heidi. I think maybe you're—you might be ninety actually. Ninety. Right?
1: I'm so glad to find someone who's more senior than I am. <laughs> 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 um, I think I was um, missing a spiritual community. I hadn't—I'd come to Santa Cruz not long before that and uh, wanted to connect with.
0: Um, you guys can duke it out. I don't know which of you would be I've been around the longest.
1: I don't know if it matters, but
0: this um, is Jonathan Westphal and Jeff Ringo, for those of you who might not know. Back around nineteen
1: eighty three when I first started sitting ten day retreats, I met some people from Santa Cruz and we were all struggling with the daily practice, which none of us can seem to make work. But we thought, well, we'll support each other and we'll meet once a week, and just sit for an hour. It's a way to keep our practice alive, because our experience with 10-day retreats was so powerful and so rich, we wanted that to be part of our life. So we started sitting once a week for an hour, and did that for... Six years or so before Mary became involved in being in the group.
0: I sat with you, son.
1: You sat in my living room. I did a Siamese cat.
0: Yeah. (laughs) 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 This
1: is true. Which is why I started attending, just because I love the sound of you start, Jeff? I, I honestly have no idea. Did, <laughs> I, start, did I start with at uh, Jonathan's house? Yeah. <laughs> My memory is not nearly that good. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't know. Okay. No. But, um, but it's kind of better and it's great to see. Thank you. you see what's happening? It was November 17th. <laughs> 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 you didn't in the brain of this. <laughs> see, I would believe <laughs> Mary, I want to know why you, how
0: you know that it was November 9th, 1980? I just do oh. I've just uh, it's stuck in my brain it's, every year it's come around I kind of go, oh another year it was just after the earthquake well, after the, I, I had been sitting at IMS I was gone during the earthquake mm-hmm. and it was right after I came back mm-hmm. and there you have it. Yeah. Oh yeah. that yeah, was a big year. Earthquake, Berlin Wall, and Papasna Santa Cruz. <laughs> I am sure it will go down in history. Okay. Um, what else I think it's up to Dan now. Dan? I thought you were going. Oh, you want me to do it you want me to do the thing. Okay. Yeah. Some crazy I know. Right there. So <laughs> we thought what we would do. I w- I have something I want to read to you from the Buddha. And oh, it's birthday. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. so actually, Special so like telegram a from the Buddha. <laughs> and then we thought we would chant. We would chant the refuges, and which I'll do in a call and response way. So you, if you don't know the refuges. Maybe I'll say something about them as we start. And then um, we'll offer the merit and then Dan's going to lead us in some chanting and by then we'll be ready for cake. Is that right? Yeah, birthday card, cake and cookies. And there's a card, I think, that people are supposed to (coughs) sign. So this is um, from the Buddha. And... um, It's his advice for sustaining a community. As long as the followers of the way hold regular and frequent assemblies, they may be expected to prosper and not decline. As long as they meet in harmony, break up in harmony, and carry on their business in harmony, they may be expected to prosper and not decline as long as they do not authorize what has not been authorized already and do not abolish what has been authorized but proceed according to what has been authorized by the rules of training well I don't know about that one as long as they honor, respect, revere and salute the elders of long standing who are long ordained fathers and mothers and leaders of the order as long as they do not fall prey to desires which arise in them And lead to rebirth, as long as they are devoted to forest lodgings, as long as they preserve their personal mindfulness, so that in the future the good who are among their companions will come to them, and those who have already come will feel at ease with them. As long as the followers of the way hold to these seven things and are seen to do so, they may be expected to prosper and not decline." So that's clearly written for the monastic community and it has very good advice in it for all of us. So let's chant the refuges together. So this is refuge. There's a salutation to the Buddha at the beginning. Namotasa, Bhagavato Arahato, Sama, Sambuddhasa. We'll chant that three times. And then it's just taking refuge in the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha. And this is one of the practices that is across all Buddhist traditions so in a way by doing this we really take our 20 years and put it right there with all of Buddhist tradition for the last 2500 years so namo tasa bhagavato
2: arahato sammasa namo tasa bhagavato Sambha Sambuddhasa Namo Tassa Bhagavata Arhato Sambha Sambuddhasa Buddha Sarnang Gajami Damang Sarnang Gajami Sangang Sarnang Dammam Sarananga Chami, Dutyam Pi Sangam Sarananga Chami, Tatiam Pi Buddam Sarananga Chami, Tatiam Sangam Sarananga
0: we bring our practice and time together to an end this evening, we're going to take a moment to reflect on all of the merit of our practice this evening, all of the goodness of it, take it in for ourselves, soak it up, and then offer it to all beings, that all beings may be happy, that all beings may be peaceful and that all beings everywhere may be free." And then in the second part of offering the Samarit, because it's really not just tonight, it's also of all twenty years, Dan is going to lead us in some chanting, and maybe something else, I don't know.
1: I think that would be enough. <laughs> so uh, I was asked to uh, come up with a chant that didn't sound like those really great <coughs> chants and um and that's not so easy actually but i did find one that is uh is chanted all over the country and in many other parts of the world by uh devout (laughs) Sufis who uh who refer to this chant as the buddhist hymn so i thought maybe we could reclaim this hymn and uh and after we learn it and sing it perfectly in three-part harmony then we can have taken cookies (laughs) (laughs) it's pretty short (laughs) <laughs> so I'll line it out for you. May all beings be well, may all beings be happy. Peace, peace, peace. Let's sing that. That's not true. Yeah.
0: Big big card. All right. Sign the card. So thank you very much for coming. And please introduce yourself to somebody you don't know and take them out to cake and cookies. (laughs) And there's tea. And tea. In the hallway.
1: Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit Dharma